Well, what's up, Liberty 412 family? It's M.A., and we are back at it again this week. Uh, last week, we talked about the Trinity. We talked about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, how they are each uniquely individual, yet they are all one. They are all God. There's not one that is in charge of the other one. Uh, they are all equal. Uh, there's not one that makes decisions and the other two follow. Um, they are all together in unison, 100%. Uh, together on all decisions and everything they are even though they are uniquely individual they're not individual gods they are one god uh, that that come together to create the trinity and so this week i felt it um, a little more important that we dive a little deeper and so we're going to dive into the father this week now the father is the first member of the trinity um, and as god as a spirit is we need to understand that god is infinite he is eternal and he is unchangeable. These are hardline facts and truths that we have to stand on in our faith. That God is infinite. He, he has always been and he always will be. He's eternal. That means that he never ends. And then also he is unchangeable. So what he was back at the beginning of creation of time, he still is today. And he will be forevermore this same God. And so this is why it is important for us to understand the characteristics of God and who he is, because he does not change. And so therefore, he does not change his mind. It, it is solid. It is set. And so the promises that we read in scripture, we know that they will happen and they will come to fruition because he is an unchanging and eternal God. And so one thing we need to ask ourselves is, is when we talk about God the Father, is we need to begin to ask ourselves this question. What are some characteristics of a good father, of a good dad? Now, some of you may have various understandings of a father and a dad, but think about what a good father would be and come up with a list. Now, some of you may think of it differently. Parents, a good thing for you to do is sit down with your student and ask them, Hey, what, what would you deem being a good father? And I think it, you would be enlightened to hear what they had to say. Um, dads, if you're listening to this, what do you deem being a good father? I guarantee you your list between you and your kids may be a little different. Um, and that will spark great conversation. But some of you may say uh, a good father or a good dad is loving or supportive or funny or hardworking. Now, the truth of the matter is fathers here on earth can be great. But the one thing we have to understand is we are also flawed. Every, every human being is flawed. We cannot be perfect. So no father on, on earth is perfect. And sometimes we as fathers, we mess up, we fail, we make poor decisions, we fail our families. However, God the Father never fails and nothing can hinder his plan and he always brings his plan to completion. So here's the truth of the matter. I, can, I, I know this from my life because I've experienced it and I've done it as a father. But I remember as a kid, uh, my dad was like, hey, we're going to go get ice cream. And I said, you promise? He goes, I promise. Well, as the day went on, things changed, things happened, things didn't go according to our plans, and we ended the day not having ice cream. And I remember I told my dad, I said, dad, you promised. And so here's the truth. Did my dad intentionally lie to me? No. But he didn't keep his promise. But, and I've, I've done that with my own kids. I've, I've told them, hey, we're going to do this today. And then it just doesn't happen. And they, they inadvertently say, hey, you lied to me. I didn't intentionally lie to them. I just couldn't keep the plans that I had. But here's the truth of the matter. God, our Father, who is in heaven, He is perfect. And nothing can hinder His plans. And He always brings His plans to completion. This is what is amazing about this. We need to stand firm on this. 
because when we begin to read through scripture and read the promises that he speaks to us about who he is and what he has done in our lives and what he will continue to do and how he is here to redeem us and how one day he will cast Satan and, and all his demons into the hell of fire. Those are promises. And we need to stand firm on the fact that nothing can hinder his plans. He always brings his plans to completion, no matter what. So he is a God that is perfect. He is a father God that is perfect and does what he says he's gonna do. So like any good dad that has plans for the well-being of his family, what we've now stepped into is that the father, God the father has set forth a plan for redemption of the world. So you may ask this question, what is this word redemption? Well, in simple words, redemption means to restore what is broken. And because of sin in the world, sin in our lives, our world is certainly broken. We see that day in and day out. We see bad things happening. We see us making poor and bad decisions for our lives. But thankfully, the Father, God the Father, had a plan to fix everything that sin had broke. And he had this plan from the very beginning. See, in the beginning, the Father, God the Father, he, he spoke these words and, and brought forth the universe into the existence that we know today. But, but by the Father's creative hand and through the Son and the Spirit, He created everything that we see and know today. And so, really, if you think about it, this is what's crazy, is that through God's spoken word, through His plan of creation, the stars were hung in the sky, the, the ocean's waves were created, the birds sang their very first song, He made the mountains and the trees and the lions and the squirrels, he made you and he made me. He made everybody in mankind and in creation. And his creation was perfect, just as he was and just as he intended it to be. And so really, as we break into that, like I can say that, but I want to bring scripture that supports that because scripture is truth. And so I can say these things all day long, but unless I have scripture to back it up, can we really call it truth? So in Psalms 104.30, it says, When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. So we see here that God sends forth his spirit, and these things are created through his word. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, it's talking about Jesus. It says, He, which is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So what we see here is we're bringing in the Trinity again, where God the Father created all these things, but it says that all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So again, this is the Trinity coming together, but we see that God's creation was spoke and he had a plan. It wasn't by happenstance. And he brought it all together in order to be glorified in his name. So here's the thing. Unfortunately, mankind chose to disobey God and sin entered the world and the human race. And so we know that God created earth and he created his creation was perfect. But God chose to disobey God. So sin entered into mankind. It also entered into the world. I think that's a big thing that people need to understand is our world suffers creation suffers because of the sin of mankind. Um, you see this all the time. For instance, take, take our pets, for instance. Our pets, they, they get injury and they get disease. They get cancer, just like we do. And that is a product of sin. Now, our animals don't have a soul. They don't have the ability to repent 
and, and be in relationship with the Father, but yet sin still affects them. So our decision, our, our decision to disobey God and, and sin entering the world through our disobedience not only affects us, but it affects everything and everyone around us. So this is called, when we talk about scripture and we talk about mankind sinning, in, in the theological realms, in the, in the terms, we call this the fall. And so it is the fall of mankind from the relationship of God. And it affects us even today as we experience the world and we realize that the world is far from perfect. We get sick, we lose our favorite things, and sometimes we get angry at our parents. Uh, horrible things like disease. Sin has created all these things and has infected every corner of the world. But let me tell you this, there is great news. The Father will not allow sin to remain forever. And the Father's plan of redemption has a good ending. See, Scripture tells us that there will be no more tears. Instead, the Father's love and splendor will fill the earth, and all things will be made new. So, until the Father restores the world, He does offer us a glimpse of heaven through His Son, Jesus. So again, you see the Trinity coming back. You have God the Father who created all these things, and then He sent Jesus to us to see who He was. It says again in Colossians 1, 15-16 that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. So it was something that we could look at, that we could watch, we could see, and through His life, understand the characteristics of God. So the Father is responsible for the beginning process of our rescue from sin. See, he draws normal, sinful humans to himself by introducing them to Jesus. And when the sinful humans trust in Jesus, their sins are forgiven and their sinful nature is washed away. Now, here's the truth of the matter. We, we know that we need Jesus. We know that we can't do this on our own. We can't save ourselves. In John 6, it tells us that no one can come to Jesus without being called first by the Father. At John 6, 44, I'll quote it directly. It says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That's Jesus speaking. So again, he says, no one can come to me, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws him. And a big portion of the Trinity that we talked about last week is that is the job of the Holy Spirit is to, under, to open our eyes to our need for Jesus and for God. And so then he draws us to Jesus so that we can be saved because he died on the cross. So this truth prompts us to live in thankfulness. We are thankful that from the beginning of time, God had a plan to redeem mankind of this sin. So if you place your trust in Jesus, that means that the fathers sought you to join his family. He chose to give you the greatest gift of all, which is himself. In the father's care, we find the greatest joy and the most delightful rest. And so once we give our life to the Lord, it doesn't mean that it's going to be all easy and it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns. But what it does mean is that we can rest in the joy of the Lord because he has brought salvation to our souls. And one day we will eternally live with him. So even when situations don't make sense or we can't see the end or there's a rainy day or a hard day, what we can trust is that the Father's plans are always for good and that they will ultimately always come to fruition. They will always happen. Again, it, we, we know that it will always come to completion, God's plans. Romans 8.28 tells us, And we know that those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Now, this verse is often misquoted 
because people say, oh, see, it's supposed to be all good. But that's not what this verse says. It says God works all things together for good. That means he works the bad things for the good of those who love him. He works all the good things for the good of those who love him. He works everything together. So in hard situations, in, in situations that, again, don't make sense, or we don't understand, we don't comprehend what's going on. We're like, God, how can this be good? What we have to understand is God's plan is for the redemption of mankind. And so he's working all these things out for the good of mankind. And nothing, nothing will change his plans, make his plans, uh, make his plans not happen. And nothing can, can change who he is or what he has said that he will do. So God's plan will bring him glory and allow us to experience his presence in a way that gives us peace no matter the troubles we face because we know that he is an unchangeable God that loves us and will forever be pursuing of us and one day will redeem us for eternity. We can also rest in the fact that nothing we do, none of our mistakes can stop our Heavenly Father's plan. So there's nothing in this world that we can do or that anybody else can do that will separate us from the love of God. But also, there is also a, a great, great understanding in that, in that even our own mistakes that we do cannot separate us. When God comes after us, when he seeks us, he will, he will rescue us. So we can let go of the pressure to be the best or the smartest or the most athletic because we can rest in the, in the Father's love. We can take a deep breath and relax our minds and trust that the Father is ultimately 100% in control. He has a plan, and that plan will come to fruition. Now, the truth of the matter is, what we have to understand is, when we walk through this world, we are going to make mistakes. But this doesn't, even though God is in control and our mistakes will not change God's plan, that doesn't mean that we need to keep on sinning. The Apostle Paul said in, in Romans chapter 6, he says this, starting in verse 1, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And in verse 2 he says, By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So the truth of the matter is, is when God has redeemed us, when he has brought us in, yes, we are going to continue to make mistakes, and those mistakes cannot change God's plan or mind for us and our salvation. But... Does that mean that we have free ranges to do whatever we want because no matter what we do, it will not change God's plan? Paul addresses that head on and he says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So even though Christ has redeemed us, that doesn't give us a free license to just live life however we see fit. We have surrendered our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, the goal is to continue and daily be molded more into the image of Christ. And that means to do our best to rid ourselves, our lives of sin. Now, until we are fully redeemed, we will never completely be sinless. Everyone sins every single day. And again, the thing to hold on to is that no matter how much we sin, it will not change who God is and his plan for our lives. But we need to live a life that is honoring to God. And that's what Paul is address, addressing to the Romans here, saying, yes, you have been saved. You have been bought by with a price. You have been redeemed. There is nothing you can do to change that. But that doesn't mean you live your life however you want. You live your life in order to glorify God. And so 
The good thing is, the whole point of this whole thing, talking about the Father, is to let you guys know that we have God the Father who created everything, and from day one, He had a plan to redeem us because He loves us. And so, I hope you go out being encouraged, knowing that God has a plan, He is unchangeable, He is unmovable, and His plans, the words that He spoke to us and promised in the Scriptures, will always come to be. Y'all have a great week. Parents, have conversations with your kid. Learn how to disciple with them. Learn how to dive into Scripture. And, and let's go out and make disciples of all nations. And let's start that by around our own tables. Y'all have a great week. Stay humble. Stay focused. Keep pressing. We'll see you next week.